This is exactly right. Welcome to premium episode number five of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, sitting down with Dr. Dan. I want to thank you all for submitting all of your parenting questions and filling out our virtual mailbag. We love answering your questions and connecting with each one of you. So please continue to email us at podcast at drdanpeters.com. I promise we read every single question. And a reminder about Stitcher Premium episodes. For premium subscribers, only every month, Stitcher Premium releases a new Parent Footprint Sitting Down with Dr. Dan episode where I answer your listener questions about parenting, therapy, and much, much more. All right. It's time to bring in our awesome producer, Laura Rossi, with your November questions. Hey, Laura. Hey, Dr. Dan. So for the folks that can't see me, I'll post a picture. I'm wearing some of our merch. She she looks good. I got the hat yeah, on yeah. that you um, all will see if you go to the Exactly Right Holiday Store. Um, it's really cool. So, Dan, I agree with your opening comments. Our mailbag is overflowing with thoughtful questions and important parenting topics. So listeners, please keep them coming. We are so, so grateful. This month, we put out a call for parenting questions like we usually do, but I also asked for your holiday questions. So we're going to dive right into the mailbag today. Question number one is from Candice. She sent it via Instagram. And before I read this, a note to all our listeners, Dr. Dan and I are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, the official kickoff to the holidays here in the U.S. and really everywhere. Um, So Candice's questions are really timely and I think um, are going to resonate with listeners. So Candice writes... I'm tired of the commercialism of the holidays, and I just want to turn down the dial on decorating and shopping this year. How do you do this when you aren't on the same page for holiday celebrations uh, with your family? I'd like to create experiences and things that they want. I'd like to create experiences, and they all want things. That is such a good question, Um, and Candace, one that uh, I resonate with very, very much. Um, and my wife and I have really talked about this over the years and how to move in this direction. So, uh, great question. And I think there's a lot of ways to go about this. Uh, that's the good news. One thing is, is just that you have this awareness that this is what you want to do. You have this intention to move from stuff to experiences. I think it's important to stake that, that claim yourself, which you have, And then also as much as possible to share it with those who are in this family system in a way where it will not seem too off-putting or um, judgmental. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, we we all get caught up in the stuff. Uh, We got commercials, we've got ads, you know, you say something out loud, and then all of a sudden, it's on one of your feeds. It's like, who knows how this whole commercialism machine works, but it works really well. And also, there's a lot of family tradition that 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 goes on year to year and becomes very important to the people who are a part of it. So all that is to say is I think we have to be respectful and um, try to find a way to start turning the ship. And so 
having those conversations about, hey, you know what, you really want to see if we can dial down a little bit of the purchasing. Um, I'm wondering if we can think about it differently. For example, can we think about number of items or can we think about money or can we think about our children's experience and what do we think will be enough based on their age? Um, Also, really articulating, hey, let's focus on experiences this year as part of the ritual, as part of the gifts. You know, some families say, okay, for this present, we're all going to go here and go on this um, outdoor adventure, right? Like that's part of it. I know um, in our family, we created something called a family adventure, which we wouldn't tell our kids about. They just knew that we were going on an adventure and they were excited to see where we would end up. The other thing that... um, I think is really important is especially when you are in large family settings and everything seems to be a part of the large family setting is to start to carve out your own individual family's um, own little ritual. Um, Whether it's Christmas having your own little opening or your own little gathering before the big family or Hanukkah, you know, doing something on your own or claim something for yours and just know that it doesn't mean it's in opposition. You can start adding your own traditions with your own intention by taking steps and articulating where you're moving towards. I love that answer. I'm going to be listening to this podcast recording and jotting down notes from it. Um, I love the idea of carving out something for your family and doing something with intention I agree with the experience as gift um, kind of philosophy. And one thing I think in larger families, whether, you know, it's Hanukkah or Christmas or another holiday, um, you know, you kind of get people that look at you as a Scrooge if you don't want to go all in on like every mm-hmm. gift and every single right. thing. What we've done in our family to, to try to um, bypass that is talk about a charitable donation where we can maybe donate to something as a whole big nice. family or, you know, Mm-hmm. similar, you know, a cause that we're really interested in and that idea of limiting gifts. So we celebrate right. Christmas in our family. So maybe it's each family is getting a gift for the other family rather than one gift for every, you know, niece or nephew or grandchild, you know, it adds up, it takes away from, I think, um, the reason we're all gathering. And I'll say personally, after living through all these months of the pandemic, mm-hmm. this feels like a really good time to make a change. Last year, most of us were alone for yeah. some or all of right. the holidays. Right. We're coming together again and really, you know, being around a table and in person kind of feels like the gift. So the other stuff is a little bit of, you know, great point. That's a, that, stuff, that's so. a great point. And something that, um, something you said just triggered this for me. Oh, the Scrooge part, <laughs> which is, um, I realized, so I started to become uncomfortable with all the stuff and all just the, the, the core of this question before I was articulating it. And so you're right. Like if you don't articulate what it is that's bothering you to people around you, you know, spouses, family members, and they're just seeing behavior or like scrooginess or yes. like <laughs> like bitterness or like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you... It, this really closes the gap to, you know, to try to say in such a way, it's like, you know what? I just, I do love it when we're all together or that might not always be the case for some people, but it's like, (laughs) I do like the holidays, but, um, 
I'm having trouble with the amount of gifts and the amount of stuff. Now, the other thing that I learned that I will pass on is the timing that you communicate that is really important. Not best to necessarily do it right in the middle of the celebration. <laughs> we want to try to take a few steps back and plan. That's very true. Actually, we released um, one of Dr. Dan's Wisdom Wednesdays today, and the theme of it is all about pause and pausing. So, you know, maybe there's this in-between time where you're in a state of pause that you can bring this topic up conversationally good, good call. Yeah. and not um, in a way that, right, you know, feels yeah. like you're not going along with yes. everybody. So that's great. And I think generally and personally for me, sounds like you too, moving away from materialism and stuff and consumer stuff and, and being mindful and thoughtful and even in some places minimalistic Yes. You know, we're, I don't think we're the only ones reassessing no. even that. So No, it's a movement. It's definitely totally. a movement. I yes. love it. So, yeah. so question number two, um, it's not on a holiday topic, but is on a, an important parenting topic that may, you know, for our listeners fall into a bit of a special needs category. Uh, we got an Instagram answer to our story poll where we ask for questions um, in addition to other social media. The writer is Renata. And she says, Dr. Dan, how can I know the difference between OCPD, which stands for Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, um, those behaviors and a gifted individual's need for things like precision and a sense of justice? Yes. Um, it takes precision sometimes to figure this thing out. So for everyone, um, as Laura said, OCPD, Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, is where there is a preoccupation with orderliness, um, precision, perfectionism, um, a lot of control, interpersonal control. And um, it's different than obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, because that has a lot of rituals to it. This isn't as obvious with rituals because it's more a part of what we call the personality uh, profile or their characteristics. Now, it's common for gifted individuals of all ages or highly gifted individuals, people um, with advanced cognitive um, reasoning, um, can be very um, insightful, um, very deep thinking, very analytical. This takes all forms, but these people are generally qualitatively and quantitatively different than the norm with their higher intellectual functioning. It's very common for these people to have very strong social justice um, orientation on what's right and what's wrong. It's also very common for gifted individuals to um, have a need for control to sort of manage and organize the environment. Um, and it's also very common for gifted individuals to be, not always, but to be rigid and uh, often inflexible. Things are supposed to happen a certain way. So again, I'm only saying like one of the profiles of giftedness, but this can run through. So as you can hear, what I'm saying is the obsessive compulsive personality disorder characteristic traits and some of the gifted traits, they do overlap. What I would say is it's like the Venn diagram here. There are some overlapping things. When we're dealing with a mental health, what's called disorder, um, or a, 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 a clinical problem is when these characteristics are pervasive, enduring, and what we say cause functional impairment, which basically means they're extreme 
across all settings and causing a big problem. I would also say to anyone listening, we don't give um, personality disorder diagnoses to children because you actually have to grow up to have a formed personality and have lived long enough for it to be part of your actual character. So I would say what you're going to want to look at is the person's age. You're going to want to look at where this social justice orientation comes in. Um, You're going to want to look, is it always inflexible? Um, Is it always controlling and domineering? Um, and, And really look at how problematic is this? Um, and then, of course, seeking a mental health uh, professional, particularly one who specializes in giftedness, if you're trying to tease apart this because you still have concern. Thanks for that answer. And Renata, thanks for reaching out. That that does sound like a bit of a challenging situation. And as you were answering, I, I felt your compassion um, in kind of teasing this out and figuring it out. And all I kept thinking is, she needs a Dr. Dan. So (laughs) essentially, um, she should seek out someone who's got kind of X, Y, and Z that you mentioned. um, If there's still concerns, or if maybe it's a filing it in the like, oh, all right, this is a lot of gifted characteristics. And uh, I just need to take a deep breath and uh, watch, you know, watch, watch life unfold. That sounds great. Great advice. So uh, moving back to the holidays, we're very popular on Instagram, as you all, all you listeners know. So Jennifer sent this direct message to us asking, how do you start a holiday tradition or what is a suggestion for a meaningful one? I have two kids, a one-year-old and a six-year-old. Thank you. So she's not specifying anything specific on holiday. So this could be Christmas or Hanukkah, but um, sounds like she's seeking some creative ideas. So Dan, you already touched on a few in your answer, but tradition can unfold as kids age. So they can, we're we're both able to address that. So what do you say? Um, Well, first of all, it's really cool that so one-year-old and six-year-old, and as you said, Laura, I mean, traditions can start at any time, uh, especially when your kids are really young. It's so fun to start them because they don't know any different. Like Like when you think of what our traditions are growing up in your family, how many times did you realize like that isn't just a, like what, this is just a family tradition. Everyone doesn't do this. Right, Can you I just think, interrupt for yeah, one second. Yeah, I'm laughing yeah. and I won't be able to muffle it, which is one year when our twins were really little, I mean, not even a year old, and we were navigating family and trying to figure out where we could be on which day and who's within drivable distance. We had to make our Christmas an actual fake day, but our kids were so little, they didn't know. And I think it literally was December 23rd and we told them, this is Christmas and they had no idea. Now, of course, we did all the traditions that we still carry on. But there is, you know, this moment in our family history as parents that we chuckle about every year. Remember when Christmas was December 23rd? So yeah, again, those were the seeds of stuff we do now, but I'm laughing too much in my mic to let you answer. (laughs) Well, it's like, yeah, because that's their reality. So for everyone, like we form our kids' reality of the world, which is both awesome and daunting to think about it. Right. Like, especially when they're early on, we well, early on and throughout the uh, formative years, we are 
modeling what it is to be X, Y, or Z. Like what family life is, what dinner table life is, what foods we eat, how people talk to each other. I'm not trying to bum you all out. I'm just saying like, this is, this is big. It's a big job. And though also how we celebrate. And back to another question, there are some families that celebrate with loads and loads and loads of gifts. And there are other families that celebrate with one gift, for example which is super special, like the excitement, right? Um, and there's everything in between. So when, when you're thinking about a family ritual, quality family ritual, you can start with anything. So for example, um, a walk in nature, right? Every, a walk in nature. It can be um, some families go to the movies. Other families have Chinese food. Other families um, go and donate, especially as their kids get older, and go to um, soup kitchens and food kitchens. Um, other families do a 5K or 10K walk on the holidays. Um, some do stories in front of the fire. Um, you know, if you have a fireplace, s'mores in front of the fire. Um, pizza night. Like it literally can be anything. Decorating the tree, decorating the menorah, putting to get planting um planting a winter garden depending on what you where you are in the country. Like to me it's like it's so open to anything. So um as we just talked about OCPD and uh there's perfectionism is what I'm really calling out here. There's a lot of us that feel oh my god, like I have to start the best new family tradition. And remember, from a, from a kid's perspective, everything is new. You can't go wrong. Like, you literally can't go wrong. And yes, one of your kids is going to have a tantrum and not like the thing that you chose, but that's just one year and that's, you know, their moment in time. I'll also say that teenagers, like, Laura, our kids are similar ages, <laughs> yes. right? Um it can change. They what they what they want changes. It's real interesting with our kids to look at some of the traditions and sort of say like, yeah, isn't that a little too much? Like, do we really still need that, or do we need to still go to that thing? Um, and those are all good questions to talk about because it gives the opportunity to really discuss. Okay, where'd that ritual come from? Um, can we switch that one up? You know, what's what's out of respect to the larger family? How can we do something different with our own family? And hey, what would you guys like to do? And um, the COVID holidays were very different for us last year as well, because they're usually with lots and lots of people. And we were able to have one just with our family. And there was a lot of silver lining with that, um, that, that we all really enjoyed. I agree. Um, I took some notes while you were answering, but before I dive into the Laura list, I want to ask you, Dan, you know, when we talk about parent footprint, we talk about what we might have learned or taken from our own parents and how we want to you know, create and leave a footprint mm -hmm. for the next generation. So is there anything from your traditions growing up with or without your cousin, Georgia, who of course yeah. we all know is co-founder of Exactly Right, our podcast network yes. and uh, co-host of My Favorite Murder with Karen Kilgariff. I don't know um, at all if you ever spent holidays together in a larger way with Georgia or if there are traditions from you know your Hanukkahs and other celebrations. Well, yes. So I think of this in a couple ways. One is... Um, so yes, so we have the annual Hanukkah gathering, which was at my grandmother's house, our grandmother's house. Um, and she lived to be almost 105. And so um, we both talked about her in different venues and together. And so 
there was this tradition every year, all the aunts and uncles and all the cousins every year. And um, when it became too much for her, and granted, she was um, she went a long time. Um, the the sister like it was still at her house, and um, until it couldn't be, and this other people pitched in. So that was an amazing tradition, and one that our family hasn't had. Going to be now for two years, and we're all uh, actually one of our cousins sent a Zoom link. This is how cool it is. One of our cousins on the um, sent a Zoom link to all of us. Um, and we are going to light the menorah on Sunday all together where everyone is together. So wow. that talk, talk about a cool like tradition and importance. So there was that. And then the other thing that I will say from personal experience is growing up Jewish in a highly non-Jewish area, I always felt like I was missing out. Like I wanted Christmas so badly. Um, you know, the, sometimes Hanukkah's at the beginning of the month. Sometimes Hanukkah's over Christmas. Your friends can never do anything during Christmas. It's like uh, you're stuck with your family on a holiday that's not your holiday. Like, it was really conflictual for me. Um, and then um, I married someone who celebrates Christmas, and it was the most exciting time for me to participate in Christmas. And their family has... Um, their family, our family has lots of traditions. And so... We go, as we say, both ways. So we celebrate both and we um, have different traditions within each holiday. And the other thing I'll add, I was thinking about and I didn't say is we had to talk about the too much stuff when you have eight nights of Hanukkah and then you have Christmas. It was like, this is way too much stuff. Like we need to think about how do we do both. So we made modifications about, oh, every other night you guys get a present. And as they're getting older, you know, less on Hanukkah and more, more meaningful to them instead of just stuff. So yes. we're still working on it as well. I love it. Personal stories are the best and it's, it's kind of fun in this, um, you know, kind of more casual, uh, episode for premium that we can chat about stuff on another personal level. So our family quickly, some of our traditions are, um, we have baking traditions around Christmas time where we make the same recipe of cookies, like a lot of families and we're playing Christmas music. Um, you know, different things about gift giving, trying to do something kind of in the arts, you know, going to a performance or a musical um, thing that has a Christmas theme. And then, you know, on and off, we are always trying to watch, you know, the traditional like Charlie Brown Christmas or little things left over from my childhood that we started with our kids um, when they were young. So it's, it's fun to nice. pass traditions down, mold some to your own, and then kind of feel like a kid again, reliving some of your own history, which is really that um, kind of continuum of what Parent Footprint stands for. Yes. So well our, stated. Thank you. Um, I'm pleased to say for all of our listeners today, we have a bonus for you. For the first time ever, we're doing an extra question. We're doing a fourth question today. And this will probably help everyone throughout the whole holiday season. This episode airs um, in a week. So it'll still be November. And this came in as an anonymous email. Question number four is simply, Dr. Dan, how do I deal with the holidays this year with house guests and COVID and everything else resuming? So you are not on. alone. <laughs> I know a lot of people are secretly wishing yes. that they could do the alone thing again this year. Yes. I've kind of seen that on social media. And I, I yeah, there is loud, a lot but... of that. There's a lot of that because with you know, with a lot of family comes a lot of obligation, particularly when everyone is coming into one or a few homes and camping out for a few days to a week. It's just a lot, right? I mean, even in the like the most harmonious families, um, and many families have um, various disharmonies in them, that is normal. 
Um, it's a lot. And it is a lot for sensitive people. It is a lot for people who tend towards introversion. And the problem with this is these situations are not conducive for the sensitive, for the introvert. It's like this expectation to go to this function, to be a part of this, to have someone in your space. So I feel you. I So I think it's really important to think about ahead of time what you need to keep us for, for when you need a break to restore some balance, uh, keep some regulation or, or, or get you back into regulation. If you feel dysregulated, what are the things that you have to be a part of? What are the things that you can skip? You can opt out you can opt for a different thing that is less people intense. Um, and also, you know, I said this before with the other question, I think it's important to communicate to people. And I know you're not going to get all the same level of um, understanding. But if you are feeling a little overwhelmed or feeling a little tired or just need a break, if you can't just sneak away or the sneaking away is becoming more problematic just to say, hey, you know what? I just need to go, I'm going to go take a walk or I just go need, need to unwind. I will catch up with you guys later. Like it's to really, we're really talking about boundaries, the B word. It's important. <laughs> boundaries word. are so important. And in a lot of families, we either haven't learned them or they're, they're permeable or they're not allowed. Um, and this is to say, you are allowed to have your boundaries and it's usually tricky to keep them in intensive family holiday situations, but you can take steps to do so and claim them. Yes, I'm hearing all this and I'm, I'm nodding my head you enthusiastically are. because we're all a little bit out of practice. I mean, That's I don't true. think there was a calendar year holiday that we really spent together with any of our family really in person in a typical way last year. We had some outdoor things bundled up with coats and s'mores and mm -hmm. dropping off a pumpkin pie, but nothing that was really that kind of intense family time together. So I will add coming from a big family, we're um, Italian American, you know, one thing we do is we figure out how everyone can have some personal space because we do have um, one definite special needs child in the family that happens to be my son, mm -hmm. but we have, you know, other kids that might be just kind of called quirky that need their downtime. And whether it's reading a book quietly or being in a, a room separately from some of the activity. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that ties to that is we've learned how to kind of limit the length of the visit. So if everyone's coming to one house, maybe the family with the special needs kid can only really do one night, you know, come for the holiday, sleep over and then leave the next day. And that, that can really support that child that needs regulation. And, you know, it's not offending anyone. And you talk about these things I've learned yeah. because we've navigated this yeah. since birth. Um, you have to put that out there early. So it's a, going back to your earlier answers about communication. So that, that's one of kind of the tips that we learn partly mm -hmm. because we're in that special needs world. Um, unplugging goes along with your concept yep. of taking a walk and 
we know this is proven anecdotally as well as scientifically that getting outside can make a world of a difference for everyone, you know, regardless of age and personal needs, introvert, extrovert, getting out in nature, just wear the right clothes if it's cold and, you know, just spend a little time in the sunshine and, you know, just try to mingle that way because it, it breaks up that intimate space where everyone is kind mm-hmm. of pushed together. And, um, the only other thing I was going to say, because we still have younger kids in our family, is limit screen time. As much as the kids want to be playing on their devices, particularly for these holidays that have a materialistic yep. element to them, it's toxic. We've done episodes on this. So try yes, yes. to make those kiddos move yeah. around or have a dance party and you know not be kind of faces and screens the whole time because that just seems to strip them of any of their regulation, coping ability. Um an incentive to, you know, chill out. It hypes them up. Right. So it, it does. It's multi-layered because you're getting a lot of electronic stuff often these days, technology on the holidays. And also parents are like, oh, I can get a break. Let's get these, you know, they can be glued to a screen and I actually get a break. So it is, it's, it's moderation, right? Is what yes, you're talking about. Which mm-hmm. again, that's a, one of our ongoing themes for all of our yes. episodes. The other thing I'll toss in here is um, some families, you know, are dealing with, challenges during the holidays, health issues, mm-hmm. COVID related or not. And so um, I've heard from many friends, family, listeners, et cetera, that be really clear about testing. You know, do you want everyone to get tested before they descend upon your house for Christmas Eve or the first night of Hanukkah? It's really right. easy. You can make an appointment. Tests are everywhere. You know, we're not sort of talking about the vaccines here. We're talking more about just what do you need to do if you're staying at someone's house for their own comfort level um, to right. have you as a guest and Good doing point. that in a clear way if you're the host, but also just if you're attending something and you feel really strongly about knowing yes. where everyone's been, I think that's a really responsible yeah. ask. It, and, and that's boundaries. That's boundaries. It's what you're comfortable with and... Um, Again, voicing them in as, as much as possible a respectful way so they can be heard as much as possible rather than just reacted to. Um, because all, a lot that's obviously a loaded topic um, with testing, but there's also, it's loaded with ritual and holiday ritual and people expecting to be a part of it. And the other thing I was thinking, Laura, is how like your family is evolved in terms of that communication and as you point out, you were you had a reason to start this process and this communication early because of your son and his um, sensory needs, right? And so that's really healthy. And a lot of times, families don't have a like a quote reason. It's still the reason. So you are the reason, everyone. Like you're the reason. And and the other thing I was thinking about to be fair to all personality profiles. We're talking about the highly sensitive and we're talking about um, um, people who could have sensory overload and introverts. There's also ex- extroverts needs feed off of people. Their energy like literally is, ref- is fueled by f- being with people, being with family, the family rituals. And that's why also we have to realize like a lot of this other side, so to speak, comes from this wonderful desire to be together. So it's just about how this neurodiversity, right? We always get back to (laughs) neurodiversity. It's how everyone's profile can be understood, appreciated, and then um, taken into account everyone's needs as much as possible. 
That's great. And, and we're all about, you know, we want to make the world a more compassionate place. Yes, and we do. We do that through our podcast and through your, you know, wonderful advice. So that wraps up the list of questions. And I, I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season before Dan uh, takes us out. Thank you, Dr. Dan. Thank you, Laura, for everything. I am grateful for you and Phil and Exactly Right Media that we get to all do this together. Yes. All right, everyone, be sure to listen to our regular episodes, which I know you do, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. We have episodes every Thursday. And as you know, because you are part of this, our new Stitcher premium bonus episodes every month. Follow us at, at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. You can learn more at www.drdanpeters.com. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe and share. And as always, I will leave you with the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. If you are an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com forward slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.